Welcome to Talk Tennis, a podcast created specifically for you, the tennis fanatic. Join us each week as we work to elevate your game both on and off the court. We will deliver fresh episodes to keep you up to date with tennis trends and technologies, as well as exclusive interviews with industry experts, current and former pros, and so much more. Here's your host, Michelle. I'm a little biased, but today I get to introduce the Talk Tennis listeners to one of my favorite ladies on the WTA Tour. Haley Carter just recently broke into the top 100 in doubles and has a load of accomplishments under her belt. She played college tennis at the University of North Carolina and was a seven-time ITA All-American, an ACC Scholar Athlete of the Year, ACC Player of the Year, and ACC Tournament MVP Player back-to-back. She's also spent some time as an assistant coach for the Oklahoma State University women's team and also has helped out the UNC Tar Heels when she's found herself injured or unable to compete. Despite all of her tennis accomplishments, she's also incredibly smart and has a degree in economics. Oh, and did I mention she's an absolute, genuine, amazing person and a fierce competitor. Welcome, Haley. Good to be here. Good to be here. Yay. So we're just going to kind of dive into things with you. How did tennis start for you? What is your reason that you keep coming back to tennis? What's your why and why tennis? Yeah, yeah. So mine is a bit different, honestly. So I feel like all the girls that normally come on here probably have said that they had parents that played, parents that got them into it, that type of thing. But yeah, mine, nobody in my family played tennis. I don't even think they knew what tennis was, honestly. <laughs> and uh, we had some courts in the neighborhood. My, my family... Uh, my two brothers and I were bored one summer and we went to Walmart. We bought like badminton rackets, tennis rackets, footballs, softballs, everything you can imagine. And uh, I ended up being the best at tennis. So that was kind of what got me into it. Honestly, it was the only thing I could beat my brothers in. And they were six years older than me. And, you know, I would like to give some like, oh, right away, I love individualism of the sport or something like that answer. But honestly, I, I liked it because I was good. And then from there, uh, the reason I keep coming back is because the game is just incredible, and I I love kind of every aspect of it. I'm definitely the tennis geek uh, of the tour for sure. <laughs> <laughs> the tennis geek, I love that. Um, I was actually doing a little research on you, and I've known you as a college player, but I as I was researching, I realized that you didn't necessarily want to start college tennis. That you were doing really well as a junior and kind of wanted to jump into the pros. So talk to me a little bit about how you changed your mind, what happened and what the college tennis experience was like for you. Yeah. Um, so kind of how I would describe it is I was training out of an academy, Smith Stearns, and they're obviously super supportive of college tennis, but kind of the number one mindset growing up is pro tennis, I think, uh, mm. naturally. And I was doing well. I think I had quartered, finaled, and then semied three tournaments kind of back to back to back and just had a lot of confidence. And I was like, okay, this is the route. I'm going to keep going, keep pushing this way. And I ended up going to Orange Bowl and rolled my ankle absolutely in a, in a terrible, sad way, destroyed my ankle. I uh, was out probably four, five, six months, somewhere in that range. And mm -hmm. that was kind of the wake up call for me that, you know, college tennis is, is just an, an unbelievable option. And it gives me kind of the education side of things to fall back on. It still gives me that growth as a player. It gives me time to recover from my ankle and just be that perfect stepping stone. So, you know, I chose North Carolina. They were with me through all of the injuries and all of that and kind of there with me by my side uh, through everything and 
happiest decision I've ever made by far best decision I've ever made. And, uh, you know, I, I jokingly say the best thing that ever happened to me was rolling my ankle at orange bowl in the 16s. So (laughs) that's really cool. I think, uh, tennis college tennis is such a great experience and such a team bonding experience and it you had such an amazing career you had some amazing teammates maybe you can talk a little bit more about that and how that experience was and I know one of our fellow team Tita ladies is one of your former teammates and you guys recently played a tournament together so maybe you can even talk about how you transitioned from college tennis into the pro tour and the importance of having sort of teammates with you on the WTA and when you're playing ITFs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the coolest thing about the tour a bit is it's like a college scene in some senses, like all the college girls stick together. So yeah. last tournament, I think Megan Manassi, Lorraine from Pepperdine, um, you know, Amina Bechtis from Michigan, all these girls that kind of were around each other, they have a bit of a family and a team on the road. So that's the really special thing about college tennis. So, you know, for me, I had an unbelievable experience at UNC. I had the greatest coach imaginable in Brian Calvis, who uh, still coaches me a lot today. And then amazing teammates who have gone on to play pro tennis, uh, like Jamie Loeb, like you mentioned, the the fellow uh, tennis warehouse girl. She kind of she kind of got me on this team, on the tennis warehouse team. And then she's she's been by my side through the pro career. And uh, like you said, we played in Hawaii and won the title. And yeah, it's just special to have like someone who's you know, been through everything with you and is like your best friend. And, and you can talk to about pro tennis college about, you know, I don't know, a terrible match one day and an amazing match the next. And she's, she's that someone for me. So that's cool. Um, I think it's really interesting and awesome that you ladies have developed a bit of a team on the tour. Sometimes as a female tennis player, it doesn't feel like you have anyone to talk to or it can be lonely or you don't want to make friends with anyone. So I've actually really noticed that you ladies all come together and support each other and practice together and are like the first one to cheer for the other one. And that's been really cool to watch and see. Have you always felt that supported on tour? Um, I think coming in, honestly, if I hadn't had college tennis, I would not have felt that way at all. Yeah. Um, I think as a junior, I didn't feel that way. Uh, luckily, mm-hmm. I had kind of my mom <laughs> traveling with me then. But going into to last summer when I kind of first started, it was it was really tough, even with the college girls just kind of like acclimating and joining because everyone already has their groups and their friends. And, you know, it's pretty close knit. So I had to yeah. kind of break in and break, <laughs> break out into the scene. And it was mainly the college girls that helped me do that. So that's why I'm so thankful for college yeah. tennis. But it's even interesting, honestly, as I transition from like the ITF circuit to the WTA circuit. And, yeah. you know, especially we find it a bit hard on the WTA because everyone's traveling with coaches and, you know, physios and all this stuff. And then I'm just kind of wandering solo around the locker, just waiting for someone to take me in, you know? <laughs> Sounds kind of like lame. Someone, can so, someone warm me up, please? I know, can someone please be my friend? No, just yeah. <laughs> mainly joking. Everyone's super nice. But like you said, they, they have their friend groups, they have their teams. Um, and that's where something like, honestly, Tennis Warehouse is super cool because I've become closer with Chris. Dion, uh, Danielle yeah. Lau, and these girls that, you know, I didn't know as much before. So, yeah, it's, nice. it's been fun to find my groups and, and, you know, travel the world with my best friends. That's awesome. That's really cool. Now, let's get into your current status. Like I said, you just broke into top 100 in the doubles. You've been not playing as much singles. Where are you at right now? I know you've actually had some health issues this year. 
Um, maybe talk to us about that. Yeah, yeah. I think um, obviously right now doubles is going really well for me. Um, and I'm kind of in that weird place where I'm trying to make the decision. Do I, you know, stay in the doubles route? I'm top 100 now, kind of no points to defend really for the rest of the mm-hmm. year. Uh, a lot of yeah. room to grow on that. Or do I kind of stick it out for the longer process of of singles? And that's kind of where my health issues come into play. So I've had health issues forever. <laughs> you know, I, we mentioned the ankle, but then yeah. coming out of college, I, I had a torn shoulder. So that's a lot of the reason I coached for the year mm-hmm. at Oklahoma State. And then I was kind of just starting to get things back last year in singles um, as well as doubles. I think I had like top uh, five, top 200 wins in the last maybe two or three months of the season last year. And then okay. I tore my hip. Um, oh, so that kept, I know that kept me out for a while. And then I, you know, finally got back from the hip and then I acquired an kind of mystery illness. So, yeah. so it's just been such a battle with me health wise. And, you know, I just have to kind of talk to the people close to me and, and honestly talk to my own head a bit and figure out where I want to go from here. And if singles, you know, makes sense, I think there's a bit of a issue where my body and my mind and my heart aren't really aligning. So I'm trying to figure that out. And, you know, who knows? And we'll see. I like to keep all my doors open for now. (laughs) And it can be kind of tough to enter certain tournaments if your singles ranking isn't where it needs to be, but your doubles ranking is, correct? I mean, you can get in for doubles, but maybe not for singles. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, like I said, like a very weird place where I'm getting into WTA (laughs) events in doubles. And then I'm pretty much only getting into the ITF events for singles. So it's kind of a tricky situation, too, because if I do want to build my doubles ranking and get into the Grand Slams, you know, if I go win a 60K, it maybe puts me up two spots right now, which is kind of absurd to think about. But, you yeah. know, you can go win the win one of the biggest events on the ITF tour and you're you're not moving up anymore in doubles. So that's where I'm trying to find the balance of WTA and ITF tournaments for now. Um you know, trying to get the health back, trying to get that confidence back in, in the singles game and, you know, see. But you you might be seeing me in, in the doubles tour all over the place pretty soon, but <laughs> but we'll see. <laughs> Doing all the all the tournaments. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just showing up, showing up yeah. everywhere. <laughs> Do the thing. Show them who you are. Yeah. Well, I'm lucky to talk to you today, but unfortunately, I feel like it's for a bad reason because you're supposed to be playing at DC like right now you should be in the tournament and we had a little health issue you didn't get cleared to play your first round talk to me about that I don't think a lot of people listening understand that when you do enter a WTA tournament there are certain things that you have to do to be eligible to play the tournament so you can take it from there since I am no expert on that. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's been a bit of a tough situation with me. Um, I'm, I'm pretty much an open book, so I don't mind talking about my, my health stuff and kind of the details of it. But I've been having some ongoing issues since around the Bogota WTA. So I don't even know when that was, maybe back in March. Okay. Um, and was getting some images for my back and then they found some things in my lungs and my liver and just kind of a whole type of mess to where, you know, it's still a bit of a mystery diagnosis and uh, it's it's leaning towards an autoimmune of some sort, but mm. they're they're trying to figure everything out. And as a result of this type of stuff, uh, the WTA requires kind of tests to figure out what it is. So 
um, as I said, in the process of it. And my doctors at home are working towards it, and they're pretty comfortable with with kind of staying the course and doing follow-ups over the next coming months and all of that. But I, I got to the WTA at the City Open, and, and I had to meet with a doctor there, and he was a little bit more strict with me. Um, and that's, that's where things are tough. Um, you have kind of different doctors all over and, and different kind of standards for, for what's deemed good to compete and what's not. So the doctor there um, took my symptoms that I've been having for, for the probably two, three months now and, and thought it might be a blood clot, which, uh, which we found out I got another CT was not the case. Uh, so that's why I was not able to compete. So that's so pretty unfortunate, but uh, very, very frustrating process, um, especially with something that I know I can kind of play with and manage. Um, if, if given kind of opportunity, but they, they have their restrictions and they want to make sure we're out there safe. So I've, I've been through the works. Yeah. I've had about, um, I, I counted actually yesterday. I had 23 medical tests. I've had five MRIs and I've had three CTs since Bogota in March. So that's where I'm at with the WTA right now to try to get cleared and try to get healthy to go. So, and that's got to be super frustrating because now that is cutting into your ranking points and your payday and your schedule. And if you had scheduled an ITF that week, you could have possibly gone, got cleared and won the whole thing, come away with, you know, some pocket money, some ranking points and not had any issues. So that's got to be really frustrating and on several levels. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of levels it's frustrating on. I think, um, you know, obviously last year I won Lexington the same week. So I was defending a, a pretty good amount of points. And then obviously from a financial standpoint, it's frustrating. But I think in yeah. a weird way, honestly, the points mean more at this stage of my career than, mm-hmm. than the finances do. So, so having those points to defend, knowing that I have a lot of opportunity to gain points at the City Open and then it being so close to that deadline for the U.S. Open as well mm-hmm. um, just kind of sets you back. So, so the odds of making it direct into the U.S. Open are kind of, kind of almost cut out with that. Hopefully, hopefully we can still make it happen. But it's it's a bit frustrating. Definitely tough timing on my end after going through the whole process. But you know, we'll see. Hopefully, get cleared uh, by the WTA even for the ITF tour next week. Um, so they've they've put some restrictions on me, but I'm going through everything I can to to get cleared and back out there. So what do you have to do to get cleared? What's the next step? Yeah, so the the last little bit of it was I got the CT. Uh, I actually wasn't allowed to leave Washington, D.C. until I got the CT scan there and then um, had to basically release my doctor's information to the WTA so that they can communicate with my doctors and have a back and forth discussion with them. And it's kind of just honestly all in their hands. Um, so I'm... I'm of the mindset of just avoiding all symptoms and (laughs) boycotting training rooms and all of that at this point. (laughs) Honestly, I've reached that point a bit, but uh, hopefully the go. I I know my doctors at UNC and and back home are very much, um, you know, supporting me playing. And Mm -hmm. so that's where there's kind of a little bit of a give and take. And we'll see on the WTA's end. So how is this affecting your training and even your mental side? Are you worried that maybe there's something going on that you just no one's figured out or are you pretty confident you feel good that you're fine? Um, can you speak to that at all? 
Yeah, I think um, training-wise, it honestly has not affected me too much. I'm, I'm really approaching it with the same mentality I always have. I think I just have to be more in tune with my body and careful yeah. about what I do. I think mentally, it's been so, so draining. Um, just obviously, too, especially in singles, knowing if I can last or not and all that stuff, but then just kind of the unknown that you mentioned. Um, as everyone's trying to figure it out, not only... F- for me, it kind of transitioned from just being scared of what's wrong with me to now mm-hmm. being scared that no one's going to figure it out and I'm just not going to be able to play. <laughs> and that's kind of where it's where it's been frustrating and um, annoying and all of the above words you can use to describe it. But yeah. I'm trying to take it day by day and just kind of put myself in a position to compete and then hopefully hopefully get cleared. But yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely tough. Yeah, I'm sure. And it's great that you have a team around you that's so supportive and make sure that you're healthy and doing all the right stuff. So yeah, that's good. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. We've, we've been talking about it a lot. But yeah, I think the WTA um, is about the only professional sports organization that requires you to go through so so many tests to compete, but then also doesn't necessarily pay for those tests so you're going out of pocket to to cover everything so I've I've invested invested a lot into trying to get out there to compete so it's it's definitely something uh, to to be discussed and and worked on in the future to make it a bit better for players yeah for sure now this kind of falls into that and you've kind of already given us some great answers but how do you deal with setbacks whether it's this health setback or a really bad loss or just a really bad day or dealing with some emotional stuff that maybe has nothing to do with tennis. How do you handle the tough part of life? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's just inevitable. We all have setbacks one point or another. I mean, Roger Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, they have setbacks, even though you don't necessarily see them to the degree of of some of ours. Um, I think for me, the thing that's been most important is, like I said, I am an open book and I'm the first person to talk about things, um, you know, whether it's with my coach, whether it's with my team, my family, um, or honestly, whether it's with you or, you know, maybe my <laughs> housing family for the week. I'm just very much of the mindset. The more you talk about things, the more you let things out, the, the quicker you are to get over things. And I think a lot of times when we face setbacks, we bottle things up and we try to make ourselves seem all right and we try to push through them in that way. And I'm just of the kind of philosophy that you have to be vulnerable to, to push yeah. through and, and to step things up to the next level. So that's kind of been my motto. And I've gotten way better since college. I saw a sports psychologist in college, and I don't think I spoke a word <laughs> for, for many, many meetings with him. I was a very bottled up person. And, and that's when I learned that, you know, I just needed to talk through and, and keep grinding and, you know, keep embracing the setbacks as learning tools for the future. That's awesome. That's really cool. I know one of my initiatives is trying to be more vulnerable, but at the same time, it's so scary. Oh, unbelievably scary. (laughs) (laughs) I've just now I'm just so accepting that I'm like, just going to talk and people are just going to have to listen. (laughs) They're going to listen. I'm going to make a fool of myself sometimes, but it's whatever. I'm like the, the tour fool too. I'm the, I'm the geek and the the goofy one on tour. So I'll just ramble on and on. I mean, from what I've heard, everyone loves you. So I think you're doing something right. Perfect. Perfect. That's the, that's the intel I like to hear. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's talk about some goals and what you want the rest of 2019 to look like for you. Um, you did kind of mention you're at this in-between with singles and doubles, not really sure where to go and where to focus. What 
how would the end of 2019 look like for you? What do you, where's the end goal? How big of goals do you normally set for yourself if you do, if you don't? Yeah. So I think that's honestly actually something that you just touched on that I'm working on a ton. When I was a junior, when I was in college, I set these enormous goals, these like you, you can't, you know, make them happen type of large, massive goals. Yeah. And in some way by setting those goals, I really did make them happen. And I think coming into professional tennis, so many people warned me of doing that. And they told me to set my expectations low and be realistic. And you're going to lose every week and all these types of mindsets that, you know, probably you should prepare for, but you shouldn't you know, dream about, (laughs) you shouldn't envision. And so now I'm kind of at this point where I'm trying to set loftier goals. So for me, you know, maybe it's not the end of 2019, but I I really do see myself um, in a position where I could be very, very high in doubles. Um, If I had to put a number, a top, top 30 would be my goal in in doubles Um, and top 200 if, if health and, and level is there and confidence is there in singles. So um, maybe not a year end goal per se, but like kind of a vision. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm trying to work on seeing myself winning these massive tournaments because I've, I've sometimes put a bit of a limit on my mind in the last year as I'm adjusting to the tour. So I learned that that's yeah. not the best case. My doubles partner, Anna Shibahara, she's a perfect example. She puts no limits. She's, she's the person that thinks she's going to be number one in the world. And I wouldn't put it past her because, you know, I think anything you say out loud, you can, you can make happen. That's awesome. I love it. And I believe it also. You've got it. You're going to get there. Yeah, I know thank it. You. So. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> now you just uh, mentioned Anna and you've mentioned Jamie. Do you have a specific partner you're always playing with? And if not, what are you looking for in a doubles partner? Yeah, so so last year was really easy for me, honestly, um, and the start of this year because I was playing with Inna uh, Shibahara from from UCLA. For for everyone listening, uh, she's a superstar. Um, we kind of when I had my health issues and I was helping out North Carolina, we had to split our ways just to tournament wise, and it's mm-hmm. a bit tricky, obviously, as you know, ranking wise to to get back together with things. So been playing a bit of a mix this summer and honestly, best thing confidence wise for me to, to win without Anna hitting a million winners was a bit good <laughs> for the confidence level. And uh, now I'm just kind of on that search to find that more consistent partner, um, hopefully find one that I can play kind of the rest of the year and the new year with. And what I'm looking for is just someone positive. Um, I'm super, super let's see, a bit of a perfectionist. Uh, if you haven't already noticed, I'm very much a perfectionist. School, tennis, my room, whatever it may be, I'm you know very much that type of personality. And I just need someone that kind of lifts me up when I'm a bit too hard on myself and when I think I'm making all the mistakes and letting the team down type of thing and you know makes travel on the road when it's lonely be fun. So, so that's the main yeah. thing I'm looking for. Obviously, I have some things in my game that I need to be complimented. I might, I'm not necessarily the most powerful hitter out there. I'm kind of the dinker and the the volley person. So I need someone who can hit it from the back, but more than anything, I need someone who makes tennis and life fun for me. So that's what I'm looking for. I hear you. And that I can transition a little bit and admit that I am signing up for a doubles tournament. Let's go. I'm so pumped for this. <laughs> I am so scared. And basically what you just said about your perfectionism and just kind of being that person that's always like, oh, my gosh, it's all my fault. We're, I'm the reason why we lost or one, not one. <laughs> but usually like I can be very hard on myself. And I know at least in doubles, I kind of have to 
let the reins up a little bit and have a good chemistry with my partner. But I need advice from you. I haven't competed in forever and I'm just like already nervous. (laughs) So give me, first of all, just going into a tournament, what kind of mindset do you have? Give me some mental advice for now. Yeah. So I actually, funny enough, when I was in Hawaii, I had, I was staying at someone's house and they told me the story about of their football coach, how they said, basically, if you don't go into the match thinking you, uh, you're going to win, you've already lost or something mm-hmm. like that. Just, you know, one of the yeah. cheesy generic sporting quotes, but for <laughs> yeah. some reason it hit me like so hard. Cause I was like, you know, I'm not going into singles thinking this way, but I am going into doubles. Maybe that's why the difference in like mm-hmm. all that stuff. So I think that's honestly the number one thing going in. And I hate to say going in thinking you're going to win because I know that makes it more of a win-loss thing than a fun and enjoyment thing. But I think the more you go in with a confidence and a belief, the more it opens you up to have fun. And and that's kind of my my mindset, just going in with the confidence that you will win. And then if you lose, it's no biggie because you did everything you could and you put yourself in the right mindset. Yeah. And so that's, that's the mindset for sure. And obviously hopefully you find that fun partner I was just talking about and you have lots of fun and I don't know, it'll be good being back and competing for sure. I know I am excited and my partner is definitely fiery and she'll be fun as well. So perfect. Fiery is also what I look for. I need those people (laughs) that give me those massive fist bumps at Jamie Loeb. The come-ons that, like, rain through the whole tennis center. <laughs> that's that's your girl over here, too. I'm, I get fired up. <laughs> oh, perfect. I'm, I'm such you, a wide range. I'm, like, either mute or just very, very loud and out there. <laughs> There's no I was going to ask you, do you find that you have a different personality on the court competing compared to when you're off the court? Oh, definitely. Well, yeah. I, I want to say bit. definitely, but then I'm still, like, the psycho competitive person in, like, pop a shot basketball or we I play <laughs> scrabble with my coach all the time and like I'm arguing over words that don't exist for like 10 points you know so I'm I'm that way in the competitive scenario but definitely louder and more out there um on the court whereas off the court I'm a bit more reserved and quiet and you know you'll find me hiding in a corner somewhere in the locker type of person (laughs) And when's the last time you got super nervous, like shaking to get on the court? Oh my goodness. I actually got really nervous in Ashland, Kentucky, really the whole week. My partner that week was Megan Manassi and one of my good friends, really good friends. And first match we played together, first changeover, my hands literally shaking as I'm uh, gripping the water bottle to drink (gasps) over the changeover. And she's like, are you okay? Like, you're making me (laughs) nervous because you're nervous. But just the feeling of like, it was like my fourth different partner in this many tournaments. I had won the last three, like wanting to do well, just too too many expectations and too many thoughts. I was thinking, it's projecting like three months into the future rather than (laughs) living in the moment and enjoying something. Totally. definitely like have those spiral moments too when you're like you take a single thing and then you just spirals down into something that isn't even a real thing oh for sure that was yeah Bogota uh the finals of Bogota WTA was I think the worst I'd ever been nerve-wise where you just kind of almost have this out-of-body frozen experience yeah and you I don't know you walk onto the court for the first time it's like that tournament court you've envisioned as a kid growing up like the dream scenario the cameras following you you know you got a crowd of 2,000 3,000 people and then you lose the first four games and life feels over (laughs) it's awful you hear like someone in the stands saying like here we go USA because you're just (laughs) performing so poorly (laughs) so I think that 
that's up there with like worst, most nervous, painful experience. I still have a few triggers from that match. Oh no. <laughs> and how do you, or sometimes you don't, but how do you pull yourself out of that? Oh, that time I didn't. I think, <laughs> I think I'm trying to learn from it. I, I really, I, after that match, I think I got off the court. I was like, I don't know if I can play pro tennis, honestly, which is like the craziest mindset to have after finaling your first like 250 WTA event. But I got off the court. I was like, this isn't for me. I can't play on this stage. And then like the very next day I woke up, I was like, okay, I really want to play on the stage again so I can do better. (laughs) So I can do better. So I think just finding the challenge in it and then slowing down and breathing. My sports psych at UNC was a big advocate of the belly breathing (laughs) technique Mm -hmm. and all that type of stuff. So anytime things are going for me I'm a bit jittery and jumpy and all that I try to tone it down slow it down and you know try to crack a joke here and there nice yeah Yeah. definitely breathing that will help always oh for sure okay let's kind of wrap it up but I wanted to ask you if you had the best piece of advice that you could offer anyone in life what would it be Ooh, this is good. I feel like I could go like 80 different routes on this, which is, <laughs> makes it not the best. <laughs> but um, one I, of the one best. One of the best. Perfect. That takes the pressure there off we go. of me. <laughs> I think what I've learned the most this past year um, is whatever avenue you pick, whatever you want to do in life, pick it and commit to it 100%. Um, I think I'm very, been one foot in, one foot out just for that fear of failing, for that fear of, Mm -hmm. you know, something going wrong uh, with, or just having a lack of belief. So I think, you know, it doesn't have to be the best choice. It doesn't have to be the most famous choice or the, the choice that everyone expects you to pick, but whatever path you love and whatever path you choose to do, go all in, go a hundred percent and just have no regrets with it. It's kind of my big big piece of advice. <laughs> nice. I love that. Now I actually have a little, I think I, I keep changing the name of it, but I'm going to call it serve and return kind of question. Oh, so a little perfect. Quick fun, action. Snappy, yeah. A little quick action. Some oh. of them might not be as quick, okay. but they're still fun, but we'll get first. I want a technical question on what's your current gear on the court. Asics is my current gear clothing wise. And then Babolat racket, Selenko string. And you use the pure arrow, right? I use the pure yeah. arrow. Yes. Yeah. I needed you to tell me. I was going to say the yellow one. <laughs> I, was I gonna, got you, girl. I know what you I, use. I was going to say the yellow one. I got a bit tight on all the equipment. But yeah, I use the Hyper G Selenko string and the, the Babylon nice. pure arrow. Pure arrow. Yeah. And I think you wear the gel resolution shoe. Yes? I do. I wear the gel nice. resolution. Yeah. Okay. Cool. What is the Haley Carter signature shots? Ooh tough ever evolving let's go with right now volleys perfect both forehand backhand <laughs> okay nice love the confidence on both sides <laughs> uh favorite emoji Ooh, i use the skull the dead emoji so anytime <laughs> you really get me to laugh i throw out the dead emoji nice. <laughs> uh who was your tennis idol growing up uh roger Federer, easy choice so i'm gonna hit you with the justine hennon big oh, fan nice. yeah beautiful backhand Current favorite tennis player? Oh, this falls under Federer. He's been too long. I, <laughs> he falls both. Um, I like Caroline Wozniacki as well. Big nice. fan of her. What does your best day off look like? Oh, today, which is not very descriptive since you don't know what I did today. <laughs> but today was a day where I, well, I hit, so that's not a day off. Well, any form of exercise kind of in the morning. I'm the person that yeah. exercises every day. 
um, <laughs> a long afternoon at Starbucks doing work yes. or Scrabble or just kind of being relaxed. And then an afternoon of some form of activity to, to yeah. sightsee or You like to be whatever. on the go. Yeah, a bit on the go after a nice morning of relaxation. Cool. So since you said Starbucks, what's your Starbucks order? Ooh, easy one. Uh, grande ice caramel macchiato. Yum. And then if I have to have food, the everything bagel toasted with cream cheese. Nice. <laughs> I've got like 700 stars right now on Starbucks, <laughs> which is a bit embarrassing. Yeah. Um, speaking of food, any dietary restrictions, either when you're training or currently or dealing with your health issues? Um, I did go through a period with my health stuff of trying a vegan diet for kind nice. of kidney function. And it was, okay. I, I'm a big f- supporter of anyone who can do it. I'm just not one of those people who can do it. Um, mm-hmm. I try to do a bit better now, but I will say I'm pretty lackadaisical on my diet, which is not something I should announce via a podcast, but I'm sorry to my coaches. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice little disclaimer there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, this is a bit of a deeper one. What legacy do you want to leave behind? Ooh, this is this is a good one. Um, I think it's definitely evolved from college to now. I think, honestly, in college, I wanted, in a weird way, I just wanted to be the best. I wanted to prove to people who, you know, told me I should pick, like, the Stanfords and the Floridas and the, the tennis powerhouses that, that I could mm-hmm. be the best at North Carolina. And that was kind of what I wanted to leave. Um, within pro tennis... As much as people like hate and rag on Kyrgios, I'm such a big fan of him in the fact that he is such a good person with the kids. He, through his foundation, yeah. through all of the, the kids' days that he does, through even if you see him on practice courts, he's talking to kids and all that stuff. So honestly, I'm taking a page from his book and I know my platform's not as big and you know people may not remember my name, but the few people that do remember my name, I want them to, to remember that I impacted them in some way. So, so I try to pick a kid at every tournament to like hit with or do something like Aww. that. I have a kid next that's week, even awesome. in Landisville that, that watched me last year, that's coming back this year just to watch me. We're going to dinner. So just little things like that every event. Obviously, it's easier at the city opens of the world than, than the little yeah. ITF ones but you know I try to pick a kid in the stands or a kid a day of a practice and try to make their experience as amazing as possible so so that's my legacy I hope to leave (laughs) ah I love that that's so cool it's weird I'm quoting curious but tennis isn't the end-all be-all um and it's it's not for me either and I want to have an impact beyond it so that's very cool let's see what else If you could pick anyone, it sounds like you've already got dialed in with some great coaches, but if you could pick anyone to coach you, who would it be? Oh, no. (laughs) This is tough. Um, I'm going to take Bethany Maddox-Sands off of the tour so that she can coach me in in doubles. Um, I think she would be my go-to. If I had to pick one forever and ever, my coach at North Carolina um, is my, my best friend and dad and coach and all of the above so you know I have to keep all those roles filled (laughs) yeah life mentor that's always good to have one of those on your team yeah exactly what is the best thing that has happened to you this year um is it tennis related we'll go tennis related anything oh no you should have just said tennis related (laughs) you can go two answers okay let's go tennis related (laughs) so I can think about what's happened to me off of the court uh tennis related I think winning the Newport WTA Um, Mm -hmm. I think it was the first thing that made me realize I could do it at a very, very high level. So I think that was the best thing. 
Um, off of the court, I really genuinely do not know, which is awful to say, but maybe something like as small and simple as I had a family vacation with all of my family members, which is like really rare in my family. We're all over the place. So that's probably the best thing that happened to me this year. I was reunited with my family that, you know, I haven't necessarily seen in four years. So that's a big one. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Is there anyone on tour that you have, you have not met and are too scared or nervous to approach? <laughs> well, you know that I was too scared and nervous to approach <laughs> Bethany Maddox-Sands, but for everyone listening, Michelle pushed me over the ledge and like kind of forced my hand into meeting Bethany in the greatest way possible. So I've met her and am uh, no longer scared to approach. But I think at the City Open, it was both uh, Andy Murray and Kyrgios. Um, I'm, I'm just a big fan of of them because they are who they are and they just yeah. are pretty cool nice funny guys and so I'm I'm big fans of them and thought about approaching many times but never quite did <laughs> Kyrgios handed me a straw for my coffee and I was pretty pumped <laughs> that's funny okay this is kind of a similar question and I kind of feel like I might know the answer but brag about someone awesome that follows you on Instagram <laughs> Bethany Maddoxons no I'm gonna try to <laughs> I'm gonna try to mix it up let's see um Besides Bethany Maddox-Sands, who is number one human, um, let's go with a band. It's called Dazi, uh, which is okay. not very known, but they're a band in Nashville. And I was there for a bachelorette party of my one of my teammates, and we got to talking, and they like tennis, so they followed me. And I like have this theory that they're going to be huge one day, and that's <laughs> going to mean way more like five years from now, and we can look back on this podcast and be proud. <laughs> yeah, totally. I love that. <laughs> very cool. What is the best thing someone said to you when shaking hands at the net? Ooh, this is a tough one. Um, I feel like, honestly, I'm the person that is the one to initiate something. Um, yeah. I like to think that I'm the one that says something. And I take full credit for Sophia Keenan's career because I said something to her <laughs> when she was really tiny. And I think that's why she has this confidence. Um, it's totally why. <laughs> but right, weird, weird answer to this question. But I had someone in Fort Worth, Texas. I can't. I think it was Denise Murison or something like that. And she shook my hand after a loss and told me basically that I wasn't as good as I could be, which is a really that's not that seems like not a good thing to say to someone. But she's like, what are you doing? Like, you're you're not moving at all. You should be way, way better. You're so tall. You should be like all over the place and like she was telling me this at the net after the match and it was the best thing anyone's ever told me it was in after my sophomore year of college and it completely changed my whole career in in a sense on the doubles court yeah I will be bold and say it it was what went took me from not moving a single step in doubles to like (laughs) trying to get every ball even the ones I shouldn't get so so that's the best thing anyone's ever told me because it was just like pure honesty and just pure like caring about seeing me get better. Um, well, and I think that speaks a lot to your personality too, because some people might just go cry and be like, "Oh wow, that was." I know. Really rude. <laughs> yeah, she was like, I'm, but, "Yeah, she was like, we were gonna default, but then we were winning, so we we stuck <laughs> around." They defaulted after like a set and a half. <laughs> they were like, "We we just oh decided to keep playing," but yeah, we ended up winning that tournament in doubles. Funny enough, after that first wow. round, um, and yeah, like I said, changed it. But yeah, I'm pretty open to to people's opinions and you know Mm -hmm. you can you can criticize me left and right and I take it (laughs) generally in a constructive way nice that's good what is the best part and the worst part about being a professional tennis player 
let's see. Um, I think they kind of go hand in hand. The best part is being able to travel all over the place um, and seeing incredibly cool places that you would never get to see. And as a result of that, the worst part is the fact that you're just never home with with your family or with with the people close to you. Um, it's just really hard to maintain relationships, I think, um, while constantly on the road. So it's kind of a give and a take, but I, I wouldn't trade it for anything uh, right now, at least. <laughs> Yeah, you're doing a great job out there. So one last question. Make a bold prediction about something that will happen in the tennis world in 2019. 2019. Oh, I wish you would give me 2020. Um, <laughs> we can extend okay, it to 2020. We're, extend it, we're <laughs> extending it to 2020. And I need, I need more, more Grand Slams to make it happen. But I'm going yeah. curious with a Grand Slam. Oh, are we saying Australia 2020? Yeah, we're going somewhere. I'm not even going to be that bold and pick one because I want to have like five more. That's why I needed to extend it, you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We're going, we're going, he's going to win a grand slam. He'll get it sorted out. Okay, nice. That's a good bold prediction. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to write that down and remind you. Perfect. Please. You better (laughs) believe I'm going to be like citing this podcast left and right for the rest of time if it happens. (laughs) <laughs> totally. So where can everyone follow you on Instagram, on Twitter, on all the social sites that you might be on? Yeah. So I think Instagram may be the easiest for me. Uh, it's the thing I update the most, at least on my story. I never post, um, but it's just <laughs> Haley in Carter. And then from there, you can you can follow me and I don't know, enjoy my lame jokes and my cheesiness <laughs> left and right <laughs> i love it i'm here for it <laughs> perfect <laughs> yeah so i think everyone else will enjoy following you and following your career and following your you keep going up through that ranking and getting you healthy and all of that so what is the next couple months look like for you um doing kind of a mix of some wtas i don't know just just keep climbing and then and then maybe see see what the what's in store after the u.s open Cool. Well, we're so excited to continue to watch you grow and develop as a tennis player and an amazing person off the court also. So thank you so much for joining us, Haley. I'm just going to wrap us up. If you guys have any further questions for Haley, you can follow her on her social or you can reach out to us and email us at podcast at tennis-warehouse.com. Also, please subscribe, rate, and review and let us know in the comments who you'd like to hear on the next episode. And until next time, happy hitting. Thank you.